It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. I am Steve Cofield. Come on and do it with me. The tight shorts typhoon. I'm like a, a leaf blower. I'm like a wood chipper. I'm like a, a blender on puree. I need you. I am Steve Cofield. 351 pounds, allegedly. Even if he does look like Eric Gregg ate James Tony. Now I'm very angry. With Steve Cofield. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend. Partying, partying. Partying, partying. Yeah! All right, here we go. Five o'clock hour, Friday, 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 Friday. It's an NFL draft Friday. Adam Candy is alongside. Ari is in our Finley Toyota studios. We just had the pick come in for the Las Vegas Raiders. I think people will be happy with this one because it fills a position of need. Uh, Trayvon Merrig from TCU, a free safety right now. Jeff Heath would be the free safety. Maybe another cornerback who would slide over to safety could be the free safety. So now they've got a young guy. They got aggressive. You know, Mayock said he he thought he understood what was going to happen in terms of the board. He wasn't surprised by anything yesterday. We'll hear from Mike Mayock a little more as the hour moves along about the pick at 17 in the first round of Alex Leatherwood. But uh, he thought he knew what was going to happen on the board, and uh, they nailed this one as Merrick slips a little bit. Uh, Candy will give us the reason why he slipped, because I know uh, Rap Sheet put out a note on that. But he slipped. He got into the 40s. The Raiders said, uh, you know what? We're not freaking waiting here. Let's go from 48 up to 43, and they get their guy. They get the second safety off the board. They get their guy, Candy. Actually, three safeties. Uh, Holland went, and then obviously Richie Grant uh, went as well. But look, this was a guy who was universally thought to be the best safety in the draft, and here's something where the Raiders' wisdom actually does match up with the conventional wisdom. They move up five picks over Dallas, and then that's notable because the Dallas Cowboys, we know, are in the secondary market, so they jump Dallas to get Morig, uh, Merrig. I'm going to get this right eventually. And <laughs> what uh, Ian Rappaport said is that there was concern because Merrig injured his back training for the combine uh, when he was working out. Uh, I should say, not the combine, but uh, in pre-draft workouts. And he had some tape on his back in some of the workouts that uh, the scouts noticed. He ultimately went for an MRI. There doesn't appear to be any sort of serious concern, but that was enough to help him slide down the board. Here's the instant reaction from the pro football focus, folks. And if I'm going to lean on PFF when I tell you things are bad, I will lean on PFF when I tell you things are good. They give the grade a pick of uh, the pick, a grade of elite Trayvon Morig, the heavy favorite to be the first safety off the board. He brings much-needed playmaking ability and coverage to the Raiders' secondary. Remains to be seen how he'll fit in Gus Bradley's defense. There's reason to believe he can have success as a single high safety with his size, smarts, and explosiveness. Cost the Raiders uh, the, the marginal difference between a fourth-round pick and a seventh-round pick. That's what they sent to San Francisco and got the seven back in order to move up. Hey, if you're going to make the move, you move up because you see you need to play the draft game. Right, Cofield? Play the draft game. That's exactly what they did. They move up five spots because they played the game. They saw that Dallas was in a spot where they might take the last good safety that was available. Not the one guy that we prefer over five guys who are sitting around, but the last player that we thought fit that tier. 
So the Raiders make the move. They get their guy. They fill an obvious hole. And they happen to fill it with a guy who was expected to go earlier than he did. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Yeah, we're live on video right now, up on Twitter, up on Facebook and YouTube. So uh, check out those video streams. It's Candy. It's Cofield. It's Ari on this second round of the NFL Draft Friday. A few more picks are coming in. We'll get you updated on those. But anything so far, starting with the Jaguars taking a cornerback, uh, anything so far in the second round surprise you in terms of uh, slippage? No quarterback. No quarterback has been taken off the board. Not in terms of slippage. The move that surprises me that I just don't get is Denver moving up to take Javante Williams. Um, the Denver Broncos are a team that, frankly, looked okay at running back. Um, I, I think Javante Williams is a good player. Uh, Javante Williams could easily have been the first running back off the board, but I don't really understand uh, why that was the spot they looked at on this team and thought they needed to upgrade. But I don't know. Maybe that's what Aaron Rodgers wanted. <laughs> yeah, what do you think the Broncos... I mean, is there... Well, we're going to get to the story, but that's not why the Broncos at at number nine went with cornerback, right? It, it, was there something more obvious they should have gone for? There are so many Broncos fans who wanted a quarterback. What's weird to me, Steve, is that Vic Fangio came out in their introductory press conference talking about the pick of Sertan and went crazy talking about how much they love Fields. He said they thought Justin Fields was great and that they loved him. And so I don't necessarily understand if you love Justin Fields and you had him at what was pretty good value spot, why don't you take him? Stroke the chin, stroke the chin. Don't have a beard, but still stroke the chin. Well, because maybe you do have another plan at quarterback that isn't Teddy Bridgewater. Number four. What was... The biggest story of the first round. I thought it was the Bears being aggressive and getting Justin Fields, and I thought on the downside, it was the weird action somewhat by the Steelers, but especially the Jaguars in getting running backs in the first round. Najee Harris goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers at number 24. It is a waste of a pick. It is a complete throw-it-down-the-drain of a pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers. This line was a bottom three line in terms of run-blocking grade last year. Marquise Pouncey retires. Villanueva is still not back in the fold for them. They can't block. So it doesn't matter if you put Barry Sanders and Walter Payton back there. They're not going anywhere without a line. And so the Steelers throw away a first round pick on drafting a running back when they only have what? How long's the window on this team? Do you think that it's Ben Roethlisberger's last year? Do you think that he comes back for one more after that? Do you think they want him back for one more after that? Well, this defense, which is elite, is not getting any younger, and it's not getting any cheaper. So I don't know what they're doing, but, oh, big Herb. Big Urban Meyer down in Jacksonville made the obvious call with Trevor Lawrence and then uses the 26th pick to take Travis Etienne. Oh, it's heartwarming. Travis Etienne gets to go back together with Trevor Lawrence. Yay. No. What are you doing? James Robinson came in and gave you a thousand yards last year, and you spent basically nothing to bring the guy in. You have a running back, and you are the Jacksonville Jaguars. You lost 15 consecutive games last year. You don't have the luxury to take a first-round running back, especially when you have a running back. It was the most indefensible pick of the entire NFL draft, 
thus far. And I know we go nuts saying, oh, this pick was terrible. This pick was great. This was this. We are talking about the idea of playing the game. We are talking about the long game and the math that is involved in the value of picks. We are saying what happens if you use your picks properly over the course of time. Travis Etienne is a poor use of a pick for a team that has holes everywhere on its roster. Number three. Well, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. He was mentioned all day yesterday. Aaron Rodgers may be at a breaking point with the Packers, uh, teams that he may accept a trade to on the list we saw yesterday. The Niners, the Broncos, and the Raiders. So uh, after the first-round pick of Alex Leatherwood, the first round is over. There's a press conference, and uh, someone comes right out and goes at Mayock and says, hey, what about Aaron Rodgers? Are there any discussions at this point with Green Bay about Aaron Rodgers? Uh, Aaron Rodgers is under contract to another team. I can't talk about him. There you go. Ed Graney, was that someone asking about Aaron Rodgers? Uh, Nothing wrong with that answer, but also nothing wrong with the question. Good job by Ed Graney, but Mayock really can't say anything. And Ed Graney ended up writing a column that went right along with what you said on our live draft podcast last night, Steve. You said if it is true that Aaron Rodgers is available, you as the Las Vegas Raiders cannot allow him to go to the Denver Broncos. And you just can't let it happen. If he goes to the Denver Broncos, that is a team that is ready to win in a lot of different ways. I have a Super Bowl future on the Broncos on the thought that they were going to go get a quarterback of some sort. I thought it was going to be Deshaun Watson. It might be Aaron Rodgers, but I'm holding Broncos at 75 to 1 because I love the rest of that roster. So if you're the Raiders and you see Mahomes and Rodgers in your division, you might as well just hang those helmets up and not even come out for the season. Yeah, the only way he should go to the Broncos is if they have to strip much of their team to get Aaron Rodgers. The Raiders have got to be competitive. If he's available, if he's available, the Raiders absolutely have to do everything to get Aaron Rodgers here. And, uh, you know, if he goes to the Niners, that's one thing. But in the division, it's a friggin' disaster. On the boards around town, the sportsbooks did not mess around, right? In terms of speculation betting, they were not going to get caught with, as you said, lots of uh, folks coming in and getting a 75-1 to ticket on the Broncos. The numbers plummeted, did they not? A lot of places took it off the board. Number plummeted in many spots to 20 uh, on the Broncos on the idea that Aaron Rodgers might be coming. But not just on the idea that Aaron Rodgers might be coming. On the idea that the Denver Broncos might be seriously evaluating their quarterback position and saying, okay, we really do need to do something here. And the fact that when you look at everybody who opted out last year and the fact that that roster had more dollars of salary cap on injured reserve than any team except the San Francisco 49ers, and they still managed to be a competitive team for much of the year? Come on. The Broncos are right up there. They are ready to make a move if they get the right quarterback. And so the books were absolutely not going to get caught on that the same way they got caught on the Buccaneers uh, in a lot of spots last year. Number two. Raiders go at 17 with Alex Leatherwood. I don't think people were like, who? People know the name. Uh, He was slated by most who were covering this thing to be a guy who would go in the 30s, maybe the 40s. I've seen him. Rated as low as 72 by one website overall. I've also seen him uh, rated as high as 13 by a site that I actually use all the time that I like a lot. So there was a debate on Alex Leatherwood. There is no debate on the guy's desire to play in the National Football League. He comes from a great program. Alabama, I think, now has nine players drafted amongst the first 46 or 47 picks. So Alabama is a NFL 
uh, factory. Not every guy turns out, and uh, you know, for the Raiders, you hope that Leatherwood does turn out. But uh, he talked about it last night when he got a chance to talk to the media. Alex Leatherwood said, uh, you know what, I'm up for whatever the team needs. I accepted my role on the team when like, I didn't start as a freshman. I was a backup. And I just got in my bag and tried to uh, perfect my craft as much as I could. You know what I mean? And um, just uh, coming from a place like that and being around a lot of competition, um, I feel like that only drove me to be like even greater because uh, I'm super competitive at nature. You know what I mean? So I feel like it was a it was a great fit. It was a great a great spot to be in. You know what I mean? Just like by nature and the nature of the program. So I feel like it was a great fit. And uh, as far as me playing a uh, tackle and guard, uh, you know, when uh, my sophomore year, I was one of the best five. So I had to find a spot on that line. And I feel like uh, playing guard and playing tackle, you know what I mean? That just showed my versatility and competitiveness as an athlete and as an old lineman, you know what I mean? Um, being on the field by any means, uh, sacrificing for my team and just um, just being a dog and competing and being on the field to contribute to wins. So Mike Mayo came out last night and said, hey, he's our right tackle. If he can hold on to the job, he's our right tackle. Um, if not, you know, you go from there. I think he can certainly be their starting right guard on the right side will be uh, good competition now and they feel a lot better about the right side of the line. But obviously, Candy, the issue here is could they have gotten Alex Leatherwood a little later in the draft? And I know you found, what, an analytics guy on the ESPN site that uh, that explained it. Like, you know, if you have a chance here to get him a little later, uh, by the numbers, you got to try to trade back. Brian Burke from ESPN broke it down and said, based on probabilities of whether Alex Leatherwood would still be around at a later spot or not, what the value would have been for the Raiders to move back. He estimated that Alex Leatherwood had roughly a 90% chance of being available in the second round, roughly a 55% chance of being available at the Raiders pick of 48. If you have better than 50% of a chance to get the guy that you are absolutely locked in on, and you can potentially not have a pick all the way till 48, although that's not advisable. Uh, if you could get that guy at 48, then you could also add draft picks later. You could add another two, another three, another four, whatever the case might be. Then you take the chance that the guy you love might not be there because he is not the only tackle in the draft. He's not. You don't dislike Christian Derrissaw assuming that you are not so far opposed to what everybody else thinks, right? There are other linemen out there. Do you like Tevin Jenkins at all? Do you like any of them enough that you would say, do I want Alex Leatherwood or do I want Tevin Jenkins or Christian Derrissaw plus another second or third round pick, plus another fourth or fifth round pick? Because the probabilities from ESPN strongly suggested that you could have gotten Leatherwood or a very comparable player without using the number 17 pick on Number one. Well, they love him. Cable loves him. Mayock loves him. Gruden loves him. Mayock said, you know what? We want to run the ball. This guy's going to help us run the ball. He is a tough guy. He's very aggressive. He's a powerful right tackle. So I think we're going to run the football better. You know, we like and, and I think we're going to get Josh Jacobs to the second level more cleanly than we did last year. Not just because of Alex, but because I think we're getting younger, more athletic. I, th I think we're going to run the football and have some fun next year. I think people are going to like Leatherwood in the run game. We'll hear more from Mike Mayock in just a couple of minutes. Also, 
Leatherwood, and 5 o'clock hour, we open the phones. 364-1100-364-1100. Candy has been very tough on the Raiders for taking Leatherwood because of the chance that they had to trade back. JT the Brick is understanding of the selection. He doesn't love it. Lincoln Kennedy really liked it, and I know uh, Vinny Bonsignor on Twitter was defending it as well. So which side are you on? 364-1100-364-1100. Are you open to accepting the pick at 17 when a lot of people thought Leatherwood was going to go 35-40-45? Are you accepting of it? Or are you with Candy where you're like, again, the Raiders didn't play the draft game. 364-1100. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. 570-9000. Have something to say? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100 now. All right, the phones are open. 364-1100-364-1100. Raiders got Trayvon Merrig at the 43rd pick. They moved up from 48, so they've now got Alex Leatherwood, a right tackle prospect, maybe a right guard, and they've got Merrig to play safety, we think. You know, he'll be uh, in the mix to start at free safety. Does that change the narrative? Because the narrative for a lot of people coming out of the first round, a lot of the national folks and local folks who cover football were saying that Alex Leatherwood could have been available later. Candy, what if they had gotten Merrick at 17 and Leatherwood at 43? They still would have had the same players. Does it change the narrative for you? And I asked the fans out there, is this vindication? That they got Merrick, so they get two of the guys they wanted, 364-1100, Yeah, the, the, the fallacy of the predetermined outcome is a lot of fun, huh? That's super <laughs> fun. That's just super fun that the next 26 picks absolutely would have laid out exactly the same way. I agree with the pick of Trayvon Merrick at 43. I agree with moving up from the spot they were in at 48 to get him, given what the rest of the draft had done. The Raiders had a position of need. They saw the last guy available. They had extra draft capital in the middle rounds. They used it to go get somebody. Great. Had you done the right thing with Leatherwood and traded back in the first round and still got him, gotten him, maybe you wouldn't be using a pick that you are losing. Maybe you would be using something that was just extra. Maybe you would be using the pick you got from somebody else to make this trade up. It's about playing the game, taking as many shots as possible at getting the players that you need. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor is over on Raider Nation Radio 920 said the Raiders knew the Cowboys were on Trayvon Merrig. So that's why they moved ahead of them. Cowboys at 44. Raiders got to 43, got Merrig. He also stated this absolute that Leatherwood was not going to be on the board at 48. So, looks like the Raiders are the smart ones. And all you guys complaining, like you, Candy, wrong. Sorry, bro. Wrong with a capital R, buddy. Wrong with a capital R. <laughs> well, the important thing is they got guys of need. Uh, they still have more picks today where they can add to the defense, hopefully add some speed to the defense, add to the defensive line, add to the linebacking core. We're going to take your phone calls on the way back. Also hear more from... Mike Mayock, and then get back to some of the, the scathing stuff coming from the guys at Pro Football Focus who have egg on their face right now. They got both of their guys. 364-1100. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. 
Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. With the second pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the New York Jets select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. 364 364 All right, time for Raiders fans to react to uh, Alex Leatherwood going at 17. Looks like he got right tackle, minimum right guard covered. Uh, a lot of folks yesterday were hammering on the Raiders for taking him too early. Thought he would be later in the draft. Could have gotten some value by trading down. Now they've got Trevon Merrig, who uh, is a safety out of TCU, so they need a free safety. Your reaction, and your reaction to all the hate. Uh, and when you look at this, could they have done better still? I mean, maybe Darasaw was the guy at tackle. And now what do you want them to take in the third round? They've got two picks coming up in the third round. 364 364 I told you last night, Mike Mayock said, hey, the run game's going to improve with Alex Leatherwood. He also said, hey, you know what? The passing game, that's going to get a boost from this guy. Even though he's you know known as a road grader or a run guy, our pass game is going to get better. He's going to give us an opportunity to anchor a little bit better on the right side in the pass game, okay? Allow Dirk to step up into the pocket. Uh, Push some people up the field. He's got a really nice combination of length, bend, power, and athletic ability. I mean, so I I think he's going to help enhance both the run and the pass game. Do you agree? Have they upgraded from Gabe Jackson and Trent Brown with the mix now? No. Absolutely not. I mean, if you want to say that you like the Alex Leatherwood pick because he helps you in the run game, I mean, I think your priorities are screwed up, but I'm not going to argue with you because that is clearly what this guy is good at. But everything, every evaluation you look at universally, they talk about the fact that this guy struggled against speed rush, that he struggled to defend in the pass game, that he struggled against just about every type of rusher except someone trying to bull rush through him. And so I do agree with Mike Mayock about one thing. Derek Carr is sure as hell going to be stepping up into the pocket quite a bit because they're going to be guys zooming around the edge on Alex Leatherwood. Yeah, he said the, the some of the analytics, some of the numbers, some of the, the folks who watch film, he had a tough time, right? They absolutely did. That was uh, in the PFF evaluation that said, look – uh, if you want to go d- deep into it and get some specifics, they say plays with a ridiculously wide base that limits agility and recovery ability gets cornered far too easily, a little stiff hip. So cornered, meaning guys are going around the edge and they're working around him, right? Tends to lurch into contact rather than drive his feet leads to too many whiffs. Well, whiffs in defending the passer is not going to be a good thing. So yeah, look, If he helps you in the run game, fantastic. We know that's John Gruden's philosophy. When's the last time that a dominant run game was the key to someone being successful in the NFL and winning in the playoffs? It's uh, it's been a while. Uh, NYC Raider 88 on the first round pick said Gruden could have trade back into the 20s and still got him. That shows me he has no blank and clue what he's doing. I'd like to see a Mayock draft without Gruden and have Mayock have final say. Okay. What do you think of that? 
I think it's adorable. <laughs> it's, it's so cute. The idea that John Gruden would let anyone have say over anything anywhere within his organization. Like Mike Mayock certainly gets to make his suggestions. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the career that Mike Mayock has built. But Mike Mayock knew what he was getting into when he took this job. He is a general manager who does not have final say over personnel. So if John Gruden agrees with Mike Mayock's drafting philosophy... That's great, but you are never going to see that. You are never going to see what a Mike Mayock draft would look like because even if it were a John Gruden draft that didn't work out well, it would get pinned on Mike Mayock. I want to, again, play this for you because we played in the first hour. This whole notion of Leatherwood being too high at 17, you got to trade back. How do you mesh that if you feel this strongly about Alex Leatherwood? In all honesty, he was the highest rated player on our board at that time, offense or defense. So um, we need to get a lot better on defense. We recognize that. We hope to get a lot better this weekend. Uh, we got three picks tomorrow. We're excited about each and every one of them. So, again, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the board comes to us and, uh, and that we, play, we can take a, a re- three really good football players tomorrow. There you go. He was hoping tomorrow, that's today, that the board would come to him. Didn't exactly come to him. They made it work. They moved up to get Trayvon Merrick. They made a perfectly reasonable trade today, right? Yeah. They made yeah. an absolutely reasonable trade to fill a need that they had. Now, keep in mind, why do they have this need? They have this need because they drafted Jonathan Abram in the first round a couple of years ago, and he has been nothing but a bust thus far. Give the guy, give the guy credit. He missed most of his rookie season hurt. And last year being the COVID year is hard to really fully judge anybody. But we're here to judge. And so far, Jonathan Abram hasn't been good. So there was a hole at safety. When it comes to the Leatherwood pick, let's say this. Steve, if you go to a restaurant and your favorite item on the menu happens to be one of the cheapest items on the menu, cost you $5. Great. But you love it so much that you walk in there with a $20 bill in your hand and you say, you know what? Just take it. I want to make sure nobody gets the last burger. Nobody gets the, I don't care if it's a $5 burger. Take this $20 bill from me right now. Then you have made a bad purchase because. I got my burger. I you got did. You got I your burger care. and you also missed out on three other burgers. I don't care. Did I get my burger? You did. And teams around you got four burgers. Did I Don't get you my? Wish you could have had four. Did I get my starting right tackle? That's questionable as well. That's part of the problem. Yeah. Part of the problem is all right. Let take all the evaluation out of it. Take everything we've said out of it. When I went and I researched the pick while we were on the podcast last night, legitimately, I found Leatherwood listed four different places: twice as a tackle, twice as a guard. Yeah. Four different sources entirely. Nobody knows. Nobody knows if he can stick a tackle because of the pass protection problems that we just talked about. Yeah, I told you, uh, Todd McShay and his big board going into the draft actually did not have Leatherwood in his top 10 tackles. He had him as the number two guard in the draft. Interesting. Uh, Jay up on Twitter said, you think Alex Leatherwood should be the highest rated player on anyone's board at 17? Dude, I, I don't know. I don't know if someone else had him that high. I don't know. They did. They like him. Um, And I I don't know that any of us can sit here and say, you know, we know offensive linemen well enough 
that we can freaking if they like him and they think he was you know a top five tackle, then time will tell. It's it's told on you know Brandon Parker was a Gruden pick, yeah, you know Colton Miller I think has turned out pretty well. Uh, and as Candy said, they've they've had other plays or players they've selected where they liked them. To this point, they have not lived up to their high billing and their high draft slot. And when we talk about their board, that is one thing that you have not heard me say and that you will not hear me say is, what's wrong with their board? Uh-uh. No, because that part, that's where I know the limits of my knowledge absolutely come to a dead stop. Mike Mayock and John Gruden can evaluate football players a thousand times better than me. I'm not going to talk about your board. I am going to talk about how you work the rest of the market because you just looked at the fact that you knew Dallas was going to get in front of you. You clearly understand how other organizations value players, at least when it came to Trayvon Merrick. And, and every year's draft, there are guys who go way higher than a lot of people thought they would, and there's guys who go a lot lower. There's a top 25 player on most boards who just went in the draft. We'll get you updated on that selection. The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 1030. It's the DC and the Sunshine Man podcast with Dave Koken. Watch at Steve Cofield on Twitter or on YouTube. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. All right, there goes another player off the board, and this guy was expected to go in the top 30, was connected to the Raiders with their first pick. Raiders didn't take him with their first or second pick. Dynamite linebacking prospect. We'll see if he turns out now. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, your favorite guy. Owusu-Koromoa goes to the Cleveland Browns, who basically lost no value in trading up to get him, and nobody wins football games in the offseason or on paper. But I would need someone to make me a very strong case against the Cleveland Browns being the third best team in the AFC right now. Dang. Look at you. Look at you. Colts are up next. To go over the last few picks, um, offensive lineman goes to uh, the football team, Cosme. Uh, Giants got an outside linebacker. Aziz Ojulari, who had a pretty consensus first-round grade on him for a lot of the evaluation process, uh, there was some concern around a cleanup that was done on his knee. I think that's why he ultimately dropped, but the Giants clearly were looking at him at 42. They trade back with the Dolphins. They get their guy at 50. Dave Gettleman, who had not traded down once in his entire career as a GM with Carolina or New York, has now traded down twice in the first two rounds. I think the... Uh, Ojolari pick is probably a better pick than Kadarius Tony, but I love the extra draft capital he's building up. Rondell Moore went to the Cardinals at 49. That's interesting. Another weapon on the uh, probably on the inside, I would think, right? Uh, fast as hell. Uh, before that, a couple picks before that, uh, Chargers have had a good draft so far in terms of filling needs. If they got the right guys, I don't know, but Slater going in the first round to be their left tackle of the future is great. And then the Chargers got Asante Samuel Jr. at 47. He's a cornerback. Absolutely killing it are the Chargers. That is a great pick. Uh, Brandon Staley getting his guy coming in there, and I absolutely love what the Chargers have done so far. By the way, the idea of Rondell Moore with Cliff Kingsbury, 
Like, can you imagine in that 10 to 15 yard range, they're just going to run picks all day long to try to get Rondale more open in space and let him run down the field and see what that does for DeAndre Hopkins and how they have to defend him. That's a fun pick. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So still a lot of heat on the uh, Leatherwood pick. This was PFF uh, talking about it as uh, they just didn't understand just the, the way the um, the draft was managed by the Raiders. That's how bad the Raiders <laughs> pick was is that they picked a player, a position of value so out of position that they got lumped in with ru- teams that took running backs in the first round. I love John Gruden. I, I love his his attitude and like he's just such a fun character. What the f- was this man like I, how can you keep taking first round picks say a first round pick is a hundred dollar bill and then going and buying a stick of gum with it like what are you doing like alex otherwood could be a great guard why not pick him in the second or third round and if he's not there in the second third round guess what you'll live because a yeah, guard yeah, ain't live. changing your team your team is bad you're, you're I, tra- I think that the hardest thing is that like i want them to be good yeah. I want I mean, Vegas to be good. Why take him? Uh, Alex Leatherwood, Outland Trophy winner. Uh, first Outland, uh, Outland Trophy winner the Raiders have landed, have drafted since Bobby Gallery, Robert Gallery in 2004. That's why. It's time to get an Outland Trophy winner who truly works out. And I think Leatherwood will. And by the way, uh, for those who were unaware of the voice, that is our frequent Monday guest, uh, George Shahuri from Pro Football Focus, who gave that take at roughly 2 a.m. yesterday as he and Eric Eager were going late into the evening to give their draft evaluation. But like the Raiders are still leaving hundreds on the floor for like Baltimore's and you know Cleveland, all the teams picking behind them. And that's like one of the funniest things about the draft, too. Since it goes in reverse order of record, when the dumb teams do dumb things, it like backs up like options mm-hmm. for the good teams. Damn, PFF. I don't know if we're going to let them on the show anymore. Really harsh. Raider Nation's going to be pissed off at these guys. What are, what's going on with Eager and uh, George? Uh, as Eric said on Twitter earlier today about someone else's complaint, he just calls balls and strikes, right? Someone else does the pitching. He's just there to call balls and strikes. And by the way, uh, from what Stanford Route was saying earlier about the website guys from Pope Football Focus, uh, Eric Eager was one of those college football players uh, that we discussed having worked inside the PFF organization. He also has a doctorate in math, which I sure as hell don't. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Early look at the odds board for offensive rookie of the year. The favorite is Trevor Lawrence, plus 225. Fields is... 550. Trey Lance is 550. Believe it or not, Mac Jones and Zach Wilson also uh, in the running way up high at 7 to 1. Jamar Chase is 10. Najee Harris, 14. Kyle Pitts, 11. Early, early, early look at the odds. Any thoughts? Zach Wilson, 7 to 1. Explain to me, Jets <laughs> fan Steve Cofield, why Trevor Lawrence is roughly what it was two to one versus seven to one yeah you think it is three plus times less likely that zach wilson can be the offensive rookie of the year this year as opposed to trevor lawrence and jacksonville seriously the jaguars the jaguars are much more talented than the jets not really no not really not even a little 
Uh, hey, the other one in there. By the way, by the way, the other thing is, where do they play? You may want to put a New York effect on the odds, shouldn't you? They, you might want to do just a little bit of that. Hey, you know what the other one is? The other one? Kyle Pitts is going to put up stupid numbers in that Atlanta offense, right? Arthur Smith comes over after running the Titans offense, and you know what position Arthur Smith always did a really good job with? The tight ends. Johnny Smith became a star in that offense for the Tennessee Titans, and Kyle Pitts is going to be running alongside, if they don't make any trades, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. With Matt Ryan still having some ability to throw the ball, Kyle Pitts is not a bad bet. Give me his numbers. Catches, Ooh boy. catch, yards, touchdowns. Kyle Pitts over the course of a 17-game season, if we assume that he's probably going to be a guy who's good for six catches per game at roughly a minimum of 75 yards, right? He's going to get targeted, and he is a freak athlete. So 102 catches? T- I, I'm not saying he's going to get Uh-oh. six catches every single game. Uh-oh. Okay, okay. Like that's well, about no. All right. So poor speaking on my part. Let's say he gets. Let's put no. Just, let's put it in there. Sometimes you don't tabulate it when when you tabulate it. Six catches a game is is amazing, and we've now got 17 games. Um, I actually I was going really low the other day, and I went way too low because JVT and I were going to make a bet on what Pitts would do, and I. Now that he's gone to the Falcons, I gotta. I'm second guessing the original numbers I threw out because I was I was way low on my projection. All right. So what if I told you, if I told you he was going to catch 65 balls yeah. for 900 yards and eight touchdowns? What would you think? I'd go under. I got to win two of the three. I'd go under. On all. I just need two of the three. So uh, on the yards under and on the touchdowns, probably under. I just, man, that first year, and you know, who knows? He may, he may be the guy. You're right. He may come out and freaking be 85 catches, 1,200, and 12 touchdowns. Stop thinking about him as a tight end. Think right. about him as a receiver. If I told you they were going to line up Kyle Pitts on the outside, let's just, let's just assume that Kyle Pitts was splitting out for 50% of his reps, right? Would, would you look at it differently? Yes, and I saw a lot of the comparisons last night to doing what the Raiders do with with Darren Waller, or with or what the Chiefs do with Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the way Andy Reid schemes it up to where you have to make a devil's choice in terms of Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey a second and a half into the play and decide which one you're going to leave open, you're screwed. And Julio Jones and or Calvin Ridley because they're never healthy at the same time. One of them is going to be able to create that mismatch. We'll see. We'll see the transition. I got to. I got to. I got to see it before I believe it because uh, we're comparing a guy to some of the most productive players at their position. It's a hybrid position now, but in the history of the NFL, so he could be outstanding. Was there anyone else on that uh, offensive rookie of the year list that uh, piqued the interest? Is Jamar Chase going to have a gigantic year for Cincy? Who's the best of the three true receivers? Who's going to put up the best numbers? Chase with the Bengals, uh, Waddle, or Devontae Smith? Chase, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close um, because look at who's throwing to those guys. Joe Burrow was on pace to be a very, very good quarterback last year before his knee got blown out. And so I think Jamar Chase goes in there as clearly wide receiver one. T. Higgins is going to be 
really good. Tyler Boyd is very good, but I think Jamar Chase has a chance to become wide receiver one pretty quickly there. Do you trust Jalen Hurts to throw the ball? Do you trust Jalen Hurts to have any level of accuracy? I don't. And so that's why I can't get excited uh, about what Devontae Smith is going to do in Philadelphia. And Jalen Waddell might put up ridiculously low numbers because I am not a believer in what I saw from Tua Tagovailoa last year. And I think a lot of the catches are going to be short. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, news in on Desiree Reed-Francois extension with UNLV. Well, Desiree Reed-Francois extended through 2026. Rumors out there that she was flirting with Northwestern uh, as a potential candidate for their AD. Hey, if that's the case and she leveraged that into a contract extension, that is the same game that every coach plays to try to get a contract extension from people like Desiree Reed-Francois. So good for her if that was the case. Uh, go back and watch the draft recap show last night. That's our video podcast up at Steve Cofield on YouTube. We're back tonight, 1030 DC in the Sunshine Man podcast. Great job all week, guys.